Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Yo, welcome into the program. Time to get back into the flow of the actual regular season, Dan, for the Giants. But it does feel like midseason form with this team. Like, lots of injury concerns. We've got a mediocre team in the Broncos coming to East Rutherford here on Sunday in the Denver Broncos. And no one's giving the Giants a shot to win the game against the freaking Broncos. Come on. I don't know if I'm giving the Giants a shot. So this is something we're going to talk about here. Uh, but we're, we're talking here on September 8th, and uh, but it might as well be mid-November with this team. It certainly feels that way. Uh, they picked up right where they left off last season, uh, really where they've been for the last decade now. Offensive line problems, salary cap problems, injury problems, questions about the head coach, the general manager, the quarterback, a potential <laughs> rebuild, you name it. You know, again, September 8th, not even on Sunday of week one, and already we're having these same conversations. Uh, as many things change, so many stay the same. It's just a broken record in East Rutherford. Yeah, that, that's what it's like following the Giants. And, uh, you know, to lead us off here before we dive into this matchup with the Broncos, and I think it's a, it's an interesting matchup in a lot of ways, but I have a rant to get off my chest about Saquon's workload. Is that cool with you, Dan, if I just get this off my chest real quick? How about it? All right, so Dan Duggan of The Athletic, I'm sure you saw Dan, ex- said he expects Saquon to, quote, my sense is that Barkley will be in the lineup for the opener but won't have a full workload. And that part is fine with me. I'm good with that. Like, that makes sense. If Barkley's conditioning isn't where it needs to be, if he's still not like mentally firing or something on every play, if there's some type of physical problem we haven't you know heard about yet, fine. Like limit his opportunities against Denver, ease him back in. Like that makes sense. The part of Duggan's report though that is stuck in my craw, Dan, and I just I got to get it out because this is really just I don't know why I'm so upset about this, but I am. He he adds, quote, Barkley may not have as many opportunities as in the past since the team is intent on not overworking him. Uh, and here's what I want to ask you, Dan, and kind of get off it. Why the hell are we worried about giving the best player too many touches? Like, week one I'm fine with, as I said, but why would they limit his opportunities overall this season? Like, we're talking about a 24-year-old running back finishing out his rookie deal. He tore his ACL, which was bad luck, but that's an injury we see all the time, right? Guys come back from that all the time. Like, why would we worry about, quote, overworking Saquon? Like, why? Are we trying to, like justify the long-term extension that's coming down the pike i just can't stand that approach if he's healthy give him the rock like don't take him off the field unless he needs to be spelled right like he's the best player on the team give him all the touches in the world like this part i, I don't know what's going on with this i, I think it's ridiculous well i, I guess it, you know maybe there is something a little bit more behind the scenes as far as 
you know, the, the knee damage, because it wasn't just a torn ACL, to be fair. It was other ligament damage. There was meniscus damage. That's always a long-term concern uh, with running backs, or really any player, but particularly running backs. That being said, though, if the Giants aren't going to give Saquon a full workload for whatever reason, if they don't have confidence in his health, or they just don't want to overwork arguably one of the best running backs in the game when healthy, then it really speaks to the long-term vision they have with Barkley, which is potentially not you know, not a, not a future in East Rutherford. If you're not going to play the man, you know, at 100%, give him the workload, run the offense through him, which has always been the intent, um, you know, to begin with, uh, then, then what value does he really bring to the team long term? Can you afford the sort of massive contract that he's going to require, assuming, again, that he stays healthy? And the answer to that question is no. So maybe that's just more a personal speculation than it is an actual report. Uh, but the Giants have been extremely careful with Barkley leading up to this point. But the reason for that has always been to be able to obviously give him a, for, a full workload once he gets on the field. And as you noted, if they don't in week one, that's completely understandable, not just because it's week one, but because the Giants have an immediate turnaround. They play on Thursday night of the following week against Washington. So that's that's a pretty significant amount of wear and tear on the body right out of the gate. So I can understand if they keep him shelved a little bit early on. But I'm with you. Mid, mid-season, late-season, you know, you're relying on the running game. That's Jason Garrett's system. That's just the way it's built. You want to have the best player on the field as often as possible, and you want to give them the ball as often as possible. Yeah, again, yeah, let's not get the Giants in trouble for something they haven't done yet. This could be Duggan just speculating. But again, you know, you know you've been in this game long enough, Dan, to know that when guys say something like that, they they're hearing it from somewhere, right? It's an informed opinion, usually, with these reporters. So uh, I'm just worried. I don't want to get the Giants, like I said, in trouble for something they haven't done yet. But I just feel like if we're midseason, and the season's not over yet, and they're still in this thing. Okay, so we're going to hold back on Barkley. We're going to give him 15 touches instead of 30. Okay, well, with 15 touches, you could still blow your knee out on any play, right? You're not, like, protecting him from getting injured by giving him less touches. So I just don't understand that mindset. And if they're, they're holding Saquon back this year when he's healthy and he's, and he's good, I just, I just hate that. Like, yeah, you don't have to give him, like, Derrick Henry touches, but like you said, I want him to be the focal point of the offense because I think he's the best player on the offense. So... So that's good. Dan, you did calm me down a little bit. I appreciate that. You know, I feel a little bit better. But but let's wrap up some of our, our storylines here from the preseason. I mean, we've talked a lot about Andrew Thomas and the offensive line, how the team didn't do nearly enough to address some of our concerns there or the fan base's concerns. We've talked about Kadarius Tony's strange start in East Rutherford, right? The weird preseason that he's had. Uh, you know, we've reacted to all the talking heads taking shot at, shots at Joe Judge and Daniel Jones at every, uh, you know, every chance they get, and that's continued. But on the eve of the season, it does feel like real worry is setting in for Giants fans. And I want to cl- just read a little quote that you posted on Giants Wire, Dan, in one of your stories. You wrote, the Giants, quote, have entrenched themselves as one of the worst teams in football over the past eight years, and they're now seen as a laughingstock. They're marked off on calendars as an easy win. And that's something head coach Joe Judge must change. And I do feel that way, right? We let off the show talking about how nobody's giving the Giants a shot at home against the Denver freaking Broncos. Uh, but it's true, right? That That's where we're at. There was a lot of optimism back in the spring after the draft. I thought the Giants had added in free agency and added all those weapons on offense and, you know, made some picks in the draft that were kind of exciting. Kadarius Tony trading back for the future and stockpiling draft picks, something Gettleman has never done. But a couple months later, Dan, 
it's like a 180, right? Like the, the air is out of that balloon and there's real worry setting in with this team. There's no doubt about it. And um, I know that some, you know, some just demand that level of optimism and they want to believe desperately that things are going to be different this time around. And maybe they are, maybe they are. But for right now, what I wrote in that article is as true as could be. And I think when you look at comments like from former players like Monte Ball and some others this week, it's a perfect example. They, they don't even, in the evaluation, they don't even give the week one matchup more than a few seconds. It's just like the Giants should be a cakewalk. The Broncos should bowl over them. And that's not necessarily a universal opinion, but it's a pretty popular opinion going yeah. into week one. And it's not like the Broncos are world beaters. They're, you know, in the bottom half of the NFL at best. People are looking at this game like, well, that's an easy win for the Broncos. And that's that speaks more about where the Giants are than it does about where the Broncos are. And that's where that whole laughing stock comment sort of comes in, uh, because the bottom line is, is people look at the calendar and they do believe that the Giants are going to be a win, even though they are a team that fights a bit under Joe Judge. And, you know, you see it in the Vegas odds. You see it in the comments of current and former players, coaches, evaluators, the athletic just, um, you know, they did. They ran a whole poll with NFL executives and um, they have the Giants as, you know, the second worst team in the NFC behind only the Detroit Lions. So, you know, that that kind of paints a picture of where the Giants are right now. And until they go out there and win, until they can prove that things are different, you know, they, they're a la- like I said, they're a laughing stock and no one's going to take them seriously. And, and a big reason why and again Giants fans are probably sick of hearing this but it's the O-line right that's what everyone's going to harp on uh, it just hasn't looked good in the preseason and the more you look at it the fact that they didn't address it in free agency didn't address it in the draft and now Gettleman is kind of uh, scrambling here in the last hour you know after bringing in some veterans that uh, decided they'd rather retire Dan than did work at it and I guess mm-hmm. run laps from that you know, Joe Judge, the taskmaster, right? Couldn't couldn't run laps, had to had to retire. Maybe we'll go find a parody account on Twitter to to see what really happened there. Uh, but right now, I mean, Nate Solder, right, is it's a guy we've talked about a little bit here throughout the preseason. But he was a backup, you know, coming in. He was the backup right tackle. Well, it, it looks like he's now going to start, and he he just might be the most reliable offensive lineman the Giants have entering Week One, right? Like that's a little scary. It's it's crazy, really, when you think about it. And I'm sure that that's going to blow the minds of a few people when they listen to it. But it is the reality. Um, Nate Solder is probably the most consistent, intelligent. And that's not a knock on any other guys. That's just, you know, that's just better in experience. All these other guys are very young. Solder's been around for a while. He's won some big games. He's played some big games. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And, yes, people were going to point out to, you know, <laughs> his early Giants career when he had so many off the field issues, as we've discussed on this podcast and on Giants Wire before. Um, he had a lot of worries when it came to his his son and, and the cancer battle and whether or not, you know, he was going to survive. And that's that's a very difficult thing for anyone, for any father, for any parent out there to deal with. And it takes away from pretty much everything else you do in life. I mean, who could concentrate when you have that on your mind 24-7? So I'm sort of giving him a mulligan on the, the initial poor play. And, you you know, I'm not necessarily surprised that he's starting at right tackle. And again, that's not necessarily a knock on on Parrot, but you know, he's a mid round pick and going into his second year, he didn't necessarily play particularly well in pass protection a year ago. The Giants are going up against one of the best edge rushing teams in football uh, on, on Sunday, and then again uh, another one next Thursday night. So. 
they've got to keep Daniel Jones upright at whatever cost possible. And with all the other injuries that the team has dealt with across the board at the skill positions, um, at tight end in particular, where they're going to need a lot of that blocking, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me, and it shouldn't surprise anyone that they're going to give the nod to Solder for exactly that reason. He's just he's he's intelligent. He's you know been around the block a few times. He's the most consistent there is, and he's so, he's shown a steady improvement over the last few weeks of summer. So you know it's gonna you know like I said it's gonna be glaring for some, uh, but it's not necessarily surprising when you really drill it down. All right, well here's Corey Bonini. He's gonna help us set our fantasy lineups for Week One, and then Dan and I will be back to dive into this matchup against the Broncos. Stick with us. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Fantasy football is finally back. And so am I, Corey Bonini here of TheHuddle.com, returning to give you strong plays each week. Let's jump right into it. Week number one, strong plays. Quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville Jaguars at Houston Texans. The Texans have a new regime in place. They lack talent on the back end, and it's unclear what kind of pass rush they'll have without J.J. Watt. This defense gave up 30 passing touchdowns to quarterbacks last year and picked off only three balls. That is ridiculous. Lawrence makes his debut. He has ample targets, and they're finally returning to health at the right time. The backfield is strong, which will keep the pass defense in check. The offensive line is quality, and Jacksonville will probably look to set the tone and let their rookie quarterback come out slinging. San Francisco running backs at Detroit, another team with a new coaching staff. That's usually what happens when you give up the fifth most rushing yards and the most receiving yards to the position the previous year. No team gave up offensive touchdowns to running backs at a higher rate relative to the touches than this defense. It may be better, but it will take some time to turn around such a mess. San Francisco has injuries at wide receiver. They also have an excellent duo in Raheem Mostert and Trey Sermon in the backfield. Look for the offense to ground and pound all day long. Let's make it three in a row of teams that have poor defenses and new coaching staffs in 2021. The Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith takes on the Atlanta Falcons. The secondary is a soft spot for Atlanta. The coaching staff turnover will improve this defense in time, but it's fair to expect it will take a while. The 2020 version gave up the most yards and third most receptions to wide receivers. Philadelphia's rookie new number one wide receiver Smith has a lot to prove and he is healthy. He's a wide receiver three with plenty of upside in most fantasy formats. If you're really looking to make a gamble in fantasy this week, Kyle Rudolph tight end New York Giants versus the Denver Broncos. A quote from Rudolph says, Whatever's needed of me, I'm ready to go. He started practicing August 25th after off-season foot surgery, and he has steadily improved according to local reports. Tight end Evan Ingram has an injury of his own and he may not be ready. Wide receiver Kenny Galladay is still iffy. Running back Saquon Barkley is expected to play, but he probably will have a limited workload. Rudolph faces a defense that has improved at cornerback and still has a pretty healthy pass rush, suggesting quarterback Daniel Jones could be forced into a lot of short area passing. That's a space Barkley tends to occupy. This one is absolutely risky, so understand what you're getting into. But there's upside here by way of circumstance for the former Viking. 2021 marks 25 years online for TheHuddle.com. Be sure to check out the site, and we'll show you why we've made champions. All right, Dan, when we get into this matchup with the Broncos, obviously the one that people are harping on the most, obviously that Broncos pass rush against the Giants O-line, which uh, it didn't look very good against the Patriots there in that final preseason game. So that's that's the one that people are going to, and, and rightfully so. But for me, I think when I'm looking at this through the lens of how the Giants win this ball game, how do they 
leave week one with a win going into that short week against Washington, which, man, this is, like you said, this is a tough start to the season. Not an easy start for the Giants. I think it's the entire Giants defense versus the Broncos, right? <laughs> now, that's a cop-out, but that's the key matchup to me. I just think we signed Kenny Galladay, John Ross, Devontae Booker, Kyle Rudolph, drafted Kadarius Tony, right? But going into week one, I still feel like the defense is the side of the football I have the most confidence in. Uh, Leonard Williams, Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, Jabril, go down the list. Like the Giants D is healthier. Uh, we still got Patrick Graham. We didn't lose him. He, he should have been a head coach probably, but we didn't lose Patrick Graham. The reason the Giants beat the Broncos, if they do here this weekend, it's because of the defensive side of the football. And I think this could be a really kind of rock fight kind of defensive game with not a lot of points scored. And I think the Giants defense needs to dominate for the team to win. I, that's the side of the football I think is the most important. Well, I, I agree with you completely. Listen, I know that, you know, modern NFL is all about big plays, passing, spread offenses, et cetera. But the bottom line is a team can't win if they can't score. And the Giants are going to need to keep the Broncos off the board. That's just all there is to it. It's not going to be easy. You know, the, the Broncos, listen, they're not led by some, you know, firepower quarterback, but Teddy Bridgewater is very careful with the football. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Uh, he's, you know, got some versatility. He can run a bit. He can, you know, scramble outside of the pocket. They've got good running backs. The Giants, you know, they struggled against the inside run throughout the preseason. And I don't know if that was necessarily expected. Uh, I mean, maybe anticipated to some level because of the departure of Dalvin Tomlinson. Obviously, there was a big guy in the middle there that's no longer there. But Austin Johnson, he's capable. Danny Shelton's a big guy. They're capable, but they're going to need to play better. They're going to need to shut down that inside run. They're going to need to find a way to create pressure, whether that's just with straight edge, um, you know, guys or, or, you know, scheming blitzes like Patrick Graham did, you know, last season. They were capable, and they're going to need to be doing that again. Uh, but, I, but otherwise, I, I generally agree with you. Unless, you know, the offense comes out on fire, which I don't think anybody is anticipating. Not even the Giants themselves. You've heard Ken Galladay yeah, and some exactly. others say. Well, well, we're going to come we're, out slow, Galladay. Right, says. they're telling you, you know, we're going to come out slow. Listen to them because they are going to come out slow. That's just all there is to it. So I'm with you. It's going to have to be a, a defensive win uh, for this team. They're going to have to shut down. And listen, if they could put some points on the board somehow, all the better. It's probably going to be needed. You're not feeling great about Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones cramming after practice trying to get their reps in, Dan? No, yeah, that, that makes yeah, me feel no, great. Uh, yeah, that, that whole summer apart uh, might might hinder them a little bit. Now, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater, and yeah, he's a fine quarterback. I don't have anything against Teddy Bridgewater, except the fact that he wears two gloves, Dan. He wears two gloves. He wears a glove on his throwing hand in perfect weather. I mean, the weather in East Rutherford is going to be just fine on Sunday, and Teddy Bridgewater will be wearing two gloves. You cannot lose to a quarterback wearing two gloves, Dan, in perfect weather. So that's one thing the Giants just cannot let happen. But come on, everybody's on the Broncos' side of this, and, and for good reason. It, it does feel like a tough matchup. It just feels like the Broncos' strengths against the Giants' weaknesses right now are perceived weaknesses, we should say. The matchup does seem like it sides in Denver's favor. But let's be honest. like The Broncos do have some talent, but that talent on offense that they have is a little overrated, right? Sure. I think, I mean... Yeah. I mean, uh, look, I argued for weeks on end with John Heath over with the Broncos Wire on the podcast I do with him about how I did not want to trade three first round picks for Aaron Rodgers because John feels like a lot of Broncos fans that if you just give them a franchise quarterback, they're going to win the Super Bowl immediately, right? That's what they think. They think they're, they have that much talent on offense. It's like, yeah, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, they just drafted Javante Williams, like a lot of young talent. But this is not the most talented offense the Giants are going to face this year. Come on, right? With Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. I mean, this isn't the Dallas Cowboys, right? I mean, this is not the most talented offense that the Giants are going to face. 
this is a team that the Giants should be able to match up with on defense and bully them around a little bit at home. Like, that's what I'm looking to see, Dan, like well, I said. Very similarly, you know, Denver has offensive line issues just the same as the Giants do. It's, it's Actually, when you when you really look at the rosters, it's, you know, they're, they're not all that different in the roster build and the personnel themselves and the issues they have, the, the depth where they have it and things of that nature. It's actually very similar. Um but no, you know, they're not the most explosive offense, you know, that the Giants are going to play this year, but they're they're certainly not the worst. There is a lot of young talent. And there are, you know, like I said, there are some potential mismatches. You know, the, you know, the inside runs could, you know, be a problem. Noah Fant, assuming that he's healthy, I know he's a little banged up going into this game, but assuming that he's healthy and could play a full load on Sunday, you know, the Giants linebackers are going to have to, you know, they're going to have to cover him. And let's just be honest, that's not been their strong suit for a decade. And as talented as Blake Martinez is, I'm still giving the edge to the Broncos in that particular in that particular matchup. So there are avenues in which the Broncos offense can create problems and find those minor weaknesses in the Giants defense. And really there aren't many of them, but those are two of them. And those are two areas where the Giants really struggle and where the Broncos really could take advantage. So hopefully they can scheme up some things to, you know, take away those edges for the Broncos. Um, but really it's going to be about scheming that pressure. Hopefully, you know, getting Lorenzo Carter, Aziz Ojolari, you know, Zimenez, whoever else, however, you know, Graham schemes it, you're going to have to get in the backfield. You're going to have to collapse the pocket. You're going to have to keep pressure on Bridgewater. If you, if you give him time, like I said, he's not the most explosive quarterback in the league, but if you give him time, um, you know, cornerbacks and safeties can only cover for so long. So the Giants have to find a way to pressure, have to find a way to stop the run in the middle, and they have to stop, you know, big gains from tight ends over the middle of the field. If they can't do that, their offense is not going to be able to keep pace. But can he feel the football when he throws with two gloves on, Dan? I don't know. You know, I just don't know. I don't have a lot of faith that you could do that. No. Who who can we who's suiting up on offense for the Giants that we could trust, Dan? Like who's actually like healthy that we could trust? It doesn't sound like Evan Ingram's gonna be able to go, which kind of sucks. Uh, Kyle Rudolph's been banged up. Kenny Galladay feels like he's a go, but like we said, he's been dealing with the hamstring and he's been predicting the slow start, so that doesn't make me feel good. What's up with Kadarius Tony? That's a strange story. We haven't seen anything from him. Darius Slayton got banged up. Shane Lemieux's questionable. Uh, all these guys are questionable, along with Saquon. So it's like, who the hell's suiting up that we could trust in in this game on Gosh. offense for the Giants? Sterling Shepard, baby. That's Sterling, there. baby. Yeah, that's, that's the guy. That's your guy. Yeah, the uh, the far down the, the the fantasy draft list wide receiver for some bizarre reason, but yeah, that's the guy to watch on on Sunday, no doubt about it. He's the healthiest of all the skill position players, but not only is he the healthiest, he's looked the sharpest throughout the summer. He, in fact, he looks better than he's ever looked before, and I expect a really big season from Sterling Shepard. I mentioned it last week on this pod. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll double down on it. I expect a big season from Shepard. You know, he may not eclipse the thousand yard mark, but he's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to have a lot of catches uh he starts you know racking up that yards after catch and who knows what can happen he, he's his route running is as crisp as i've ever seen it arguably one of the best route runners in, in football right now i know the fans probably think that's hyperbolic but i'm telling you when you see it on sunday he looks better than he's ever looked before so sterling Shepard is the guy to look out for um in the slot this sunday i think he's gonna have a big game and he looks good in the single-digit number. I got to admit, he looks good in the single-digit. So Dan's doubling down on Sterling Shepard. Just a great little segue, Dan, into our uh, little drop here from the Sportsbook Wire telling us who their, their sports betting play of the week is. Good job by you. Good word choice, doubling down. And then Dan and I are going to be back to talk about the spread. The line has moved. Which side has it moved on? Can you guess? If, you, if you've been listening to the pod this long, you can probably guess which way the line is moving. Uh, Dan and I will get into that coming up next. Hey, whoa, whoa. 
It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. Joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Monday Night Football of Week 1 features the Baltimore Ravens visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. Fans finally in attendance at the Death Star. I think that's enough to push the Raiders toward a cover at plus four and a half points. I don't think they went outright, but I think they stay maybe within a field goal here. Jeff, you agree with me or should people be back in the Ravens? I agree with you. And most importantly, I'm pretty sure the house agrees with you and we should be on the same side as the house because that's who wins. We're seeing some reverse line movement in the betting market with nearly 70% of the money and the public backing the Ravens. But the line has came down from Baltimore laying six and a half on the opener to four and a half. There's still a little bit of value left at the Raiders at four and a half because the Ravens have several skill position players that are going to be sidelined, including first round draft pick wide receiver Rashad Bateman. Uh, J.K. Dobbins and Justice Hill in the backfield, and second tight end Nick Boyle is doubtful. So I'm going to take the Raiders at plus four and a half, and they're, well, finally in front of their new home crowd. All right, Dan, pulling up the latest odds for the Giants and Broncos on the Tipico Sportsbook app. Uh, We talked last week, this line was at two and a half. So the Giants, two and a half point underdogs at home. And the line has climbed to three and a half in the last week and we both said last week that at two and a half we would bet the Broncos and we would do it now and and don't wait bet the Broncos at two and a half and that's likely what happened with a lot of folks right they were hammering that two and a half number just felt like a good number for the Broncos given the matchup so that's where we're at Uh, the line is moving the public is on the Broncos side as we've been saying Uh, the numbers climbed to three and a half are you still on the Broncos side at three and a half I'm not a gambler, but I'll tell you what, if I was putting money down on it, I'm still taking the Broncos. And I know Giants fans are not gonna they're not gonna like hearing that. No. Nope. They're not gonna like my prediction in USA's uh today's sports weekly uh any better either. But you know, listen, there are just too many questions for the Giants offensively, uh, along the offensive line in particular. Um the Broncos are, are far too talented as far as their edge rush interior pressure goes. I think it's going to be a rough day for the offensive line. I think it's going to be a rough day for Daniel Jones and pretty much anybody who's not named Sterling Shepard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, again, if I'm a betting man, three and a half, still still taking it. Yeah, I mean, Vaughn Miller, you forget about him, right? He was out last year. He's back. Uh, you know, Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. I mean, that's uh, scary. That's that's a that's pressure that you don't see. That's that's tough. And then you you couple that with arguably the deepest secondary in the league, right? They added Kyle Fuller free agency. They drafted Patrick Sertan. I mean, Patrick Sertan. They they're gonna have a hard time getting him on the field. They're so deep at the in the secondary, Dan. So, uh, yeah, the the Denver defense. I'm really high on them. Uh, and you factor in all these injuries. The fact that Daniel Jones did not look like he was in midseason form against the Patriots, right? Still looks like he might have to shake off some rust. I just don't see how you bet the Giants with any confidence. And that that includes the money line on Tipico. Only plus 133 odds on the money line for the Giants. I would hope that'd be a little bit higher if I'm going right. to, if I'm a Giants fan, so I want to go right. with it. I don't think there's a lot of value in that number. So I'm staying sure away from the money line and I'm not betting the Giants at, at plus three and a half. But, but one bet that's kind of interesting here, the total, right? The over-under. The lowest total on the board for the week on Tipico for the for week one, Dan, 41 and a half Giants Broncos. So get ready for a rock fight, people. Why? Because, you know, there probably won't be a ton of offense, right? I mean, this does feel like 
a 21-17, 17-13 type of thing, right? Like something like that. The Broncos, they bring in Bridgewater mostly because they're just trying not to make the catastrophic mistakes that Drew Locke loved to make last year. Drew Locke, I think, would throw an interception on the opening series every other week, Dan. It was like uncanny. <laughs> Drew Locke loved to throw interceptions in the first quarter. So I think, you know, the Broncos, it's Vic Fangio. He's a defensive guy. They've been loading up on defense, drafting Patrick Sertan, like I said. They could have had Justin Fields or Mac Jones, but no, they were happy with Teddy Bridgewater and drafting Patrick Sertan, just loading up on defense. And I just feel like that's the side of the football they want to win. And again, with the Giants, we've seen enough of Jason Garrett to know what to expect with this game plan, right? And and with all the injuries, it just feels like this is going to be a low-scoring rock fight of a game, defensive, a real old-school football fan's dream, Dan. And at 41 and a half, it makes you want to bet the over. It's so low. But I think I would still lean under on this thing. I think this is going to be a real low-scoring game. It's tough. It's tough because that really speaks volumes about what's thought of about these two offenses. And it's not it's 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 not even so much about the defenses. Of course, they factor in. They're both very good defenses, but it's really about, you know, how inept the two offenses are in particular when you look at at an over under that low. Now, I I do have the score going just slightly over, uh, but not by much. And that was only after kind of second guessing myself. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, if somebody is willing to take on that bet, I mean, it is a a slight, it is a little risky just because it is so low, but you can see why the over under is set where it is. Yeah. I mean, that's almost as low as the, uh, the Broncos saints game last year when Kendall Hinton, the uh, practice squad wide receiver was playing quarterback (laughs) against the saints. That's, that's a low number for, one and a half but yeah hey man it's just good to be talking football I, I don't know about you but like saturday this past weekend got the juices flowing a little bit that college football slate was awesome fun to see college football back in all its glory we got the the bucks cowboys game here coming up i'm sure giants fans that that should get you primed up to watch the bucks kick the crap out of the cowboys on thursday night that should make well, you, you happy want, you want to believe that's gonna happen i, I it better it better i'm sure giants fans certainly hope so that better happen that's gonna be a sour way to start the season if, if dallas goes out and, and wins that game that's gonna be an omen for like just expect the unexpected but it is nice to have football back I, i'm a big college guy of course uh, i think everybody knows that so i got to sit down and enjoy some really good college football penn state game was was fantastic that was awesome. really got me back into Great it finish. so yep. it was excellent just excellent defensive football really like you just mentioned about the potential for this game very old school and you know maybe we'll see a little bit more of that this weekend hopefully the giants come out on top but uh not not banking on it clemson and uh georgia setting offensive football back you know back to like the 1970s <laughs> or whatever like hopefully we don't have that kind of thing like hopefully it's not 10 to 3 and only the defense scores the touchdown hopefully it's not watch, that watch watch this game come out to be a burn burner it ends up like 40 to 39 or something it like could that. happen it, it could easily <laughs> happen it's the freaking it Hey, listen, if the, Giants, if the Giants lose 40 to 39 and then Daniel Jones lights it up, I think people will take the L. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I and mean, believe me, hey, if there's still a chance, Dan, that Daniel Jones could come out and just be, turn into Josh Allen overnight. That's what happened with Josh Allen last year. He yeah, came out and true. all of a sudden he everybody thought he sucked. And he come out, he comes out and he just starts lighting the league on fire. Hey, Who knows? Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully they give him a little time, and and Jason Garrett calls something other than four or five yard curls for every receiver. <laughs> Seriously, and lets him toss it down the field. You know that's where he's at its best. That's that's why they got Galladay. I'd love to see it. I'm not holding my breath though. You got Galladay. He's gonna look like he's covered all the time down the field, but you just gotta chuck it up there anyway, Dan. That's so it. Daniel that's Jones, it. come on. Eli Manning, Kevin Row, right, right. They chuck the chuck and duck as we called it. Throw the ball. 
just throw Thanks. it up there. So we'll see what happens. Hey, for Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Enjoy the games. Football's back. We'll be back next week to break down Giants, Denver, and look ahead to a short week against Washington. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.